As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Sarah Asquith, current, well, head of everything at Tuki Paluki. So join us as we explore our journey. So today I'm joined by Sarah. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So this is Dev Diary, a series where we uh, talk to developers from everywhere within the industry and we share a little, uh, share their stories and learn a little bit about where they've come from and what they're doing. So I'm going to kick things off with the same question that I always ask. And Sarah, what was your first gaming experience? What were those early days of uh, your life in the gaming sphere like? Uh, first gaming experience? Uh, I think it was when my dad brought home uh, a little Amiga. Oh yes, okay. Yeah, so it was all little like floppy disks and whatnot, and I think it was things like Zool and like platforming games at that time, and then little strange like shareware things that he picked up from car boot sales. Oh yeah, great. That, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So were, it was re- were there really any particular ones. games either from those Amiga days or just continuing in kind of those early days, or those early early years of your life that really kind of resonated with you at all? That that really got you into gaming itself. Um, yeah, it was the strange, really strange ones. I, I used to like, um, like God games, like, um, what was it called? Megalomania and things like, um, what was it called? Populous. I used to like oh, yes. Populous a lot. Yes, uh, a Peter Molyneux title, yes. Yeah. Um, it's not a bad, not a bad way to get into it, but it's probably not a, necessarily the most common sort of. Well, certainly not these days. It's uh, the god games, unfortunately, are, are dwindling in their popularity. Side. But um, that's a really interesting kind of place to start. I think. Mm. Um, I think uh, the, uh, almost half of the interviews that I've done so far for this series, I'd have to say that Doom has probably been uh, <laughs> probably been the one cited most with it. It's because they were modding it or or whatever. Obviously, one of those interviews was Tim Willits, who mm. works in it. But um, uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, Doom's a regular one, but uh, God Game, that's really interesting. So what sort of impact did that have? How did that kind of uh, influence those early days? I think it was the way you could just let them run around like ants and play with them. <laughs> it sounds horrible. And when you're like a child, that kind of thing, like, I wouldn't say torturing people, but <laughs> like just let, seeing what effect you could have on environments and letting them run around it, that fascinated me, did that kind of thing. I guess it is that sort of, yeah, that God idea that... Um... That makes sense, I guess. Mm, it was like playing with like a little box of animals, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> were there were there any others that kind of resonated over the journey through those those early years or teen years or anything like that? Um, I mean, where, where did where did things kind of branch out from there? Because I mean, I, I think about my own experiences, and uh, it was a little bit dictated to me by what my mum bought. But I was a massive JRPG person growing up. But then finally, when I started to get my own income and a little bit older that's when I started to kind of branch out into other genres there. But was there, was yeah. there a similar sort of story for you along the way? Or were you, have you yeah, kind of always I been t- that sort of path? I tended to play things like yeah, like my dad brought home. So that was why it was things like God games and um, things that he he wanted to play. <laughs> and then, and then was... you just picked him up and tried to work with that. Yeah, and see where I could find the fun in what he was wanting to play. Um, and then it was... Um, where did we go from there? 
I remember I really wanted a PlayStation because my friends had one. Yeah, that was that's my story as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to swap in because you could swap and change games, so you could like all have one game and then pass it around, or all sit together and play them. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like yeah, things like being able to sit and play things with friends or like um, like narrative games together. So we'd sit down and play things like Spyro or horror games like. Um, like silent, yeah, yeah, silent Hill and things, <laughs> and one of us would take the controller, and the other one would be sat there with the walkthrough because we were all too scared to actually figure it out, like trial and error style. Yeah, that makes sense. I can I can appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I thankfully in that same period I kind of avoided the horror game, so I don't think I would have been able to cope. I I recently reviewed Resident Evil Two and uh, like the remake, and that as a grown adult still terrified me. So I I, I don't know what I would have done back then. Ah, yeah, because I wasn't a big fan of the horror games. It was all my friends were. They were all big horror film buffs. So that was very much their thing. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So what does that kind of look like these days? How's that all manifested in some of your gaming interests these days? And obviously you yourself are working on a particular sort of game, which we'll we'll get to shortly. But um, did, how's that kind of developed over the years? Um, I think I like things like think like pet games and things like the nostalgic things so it's stuff like uh, I'd find my fun in like being rewarded with little pieces of animation and things so I'd come from um, an animation background oh yeah of course okay uh, I'll, I'll make a note of that to discuss that shortly <laughs> yeah so I'd come from an animation background because I thought I couldn't make games so for a while um, I looked into going into um, studying games um and wanted to go to, I think it was Sheffield Hallam in the UK. And all of my friends came along and sat down with me. Because before you go to university, they do all the talks and try and sell you the course. Yes, of course, the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So we all sat in on that. And it was all very, very maths-based, it seemed. And when I got out of the talk, all my friends turned to me like, we were the only girls in there. And I was like, oh, God. It's an in- and bit it was, intimidating. It was a little bit. And I just felt I couldn't play with the math side of things. So I went oh, into okay. doing, to doing animation instead. So I was like, oh, if I could work maybe in games or something similar. The animation side of it, maybe. Yeah, so understood. Went, that makes sense. Yeah, so I went into that kind of, into the animation sort of thing. And um, so what did that what did that period look like? So uh, what, sort of an, or what sort of animation were you doing? Any particular projects that you worked on over the journey? Um, yeah, it was mainly 2D animation I did, so it's not really. It wasn't the best idea to go into games, but that's that's the kind of thing that I fell into. That's the kind of thing I enjoyed. It's very much like cartoon Saturday morning kind of things. Um, and then I'd work on animations for um, like festivals and things, and do clean up. So that'd be taking like someone's very rough animation and um, doing all the in betweens and um, inking the frames for that, and then uh, as we went through the project pipeline. Uh, I moved from doing that kind of thing to colouring. So you take all of the inked frames, you put them into a scanner, and then you drop all of the colour into the into the um, different spaces you'd created. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a good That's time, it. and it was it was something I really do enjoy. Yeah, it sounds quite cool, actually. Yeah. Um, as someone who doesn't really have a creative bone in my body, as I mean, you were talking about the the maths not really jiving with you. I am a maths person, but mm-hmm. and the 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 creative side is not something that necessarily clicks it with me as easily. But that that sounds really co- quite cool. Oh yeah, cheers. 
Yeah, so, and then shortly after finishing university, I moved over to New Zealand because that's where my family decided to run away to while I was at university. So it's I not followed. a bad part of the world to move to, though. <laughs> definitely, so. definitely. So it was like, oh, definitely move over there. It's um, a beautiful part of the world, yeah, like you say. Um, so I came over to New Zealand and looked into moving down to Wellington, but what happened was my mum got sick shortly after I moved over, so I stayed in the Hawke's Bay area and just worked worked in the Hawke's Bay area and on the side would do animation and illustration type things, uh, like as a, yep. as a side thing. Yep. And what happened was, like, um, quite recently, um, the course I'd been on back in the UK turned from a um, an animation and design course over into... It morphed into a games design and animation course. And then all of the festivals, like animation festivals back in the UK that I'd previously attended, um, there was a big one called uh, Bradford Animation Festival. And it morphed um, recently. It's turned into a games festival. So it's now a festival of games, like a convention for that. And I was like, oh, it's interesting that all these things are very like games focused now. Yeah, certainly the landscape's changing quite a bit. Definitely. So I was like, oh, it'd be nice to kind of tiddle about with that kind of thing. Because I'd... Um, yeah, those sort of things up- seem to like be changing not obviously not just there but kind of around the world thank i think because of obviously the the accessibility that there is there's a growing accessibility into you know getting into making games whether it's in the indie scene or AAA or whatever and then of course i'm sure there's a few people unfortunately that, that are just seeing do- uh, potential dollar signs and, and going into mm. that far so i guess the product is that it, there's a bit of a boom going on yeah yeah um, what had happened as well is there's all of these um, the smaller sites had cropped up like things like itch.io and game jolt and yep. just for the heck of it I'd been playing a lot of little like indie games because uh, before that it'd been mostly like larger games or more polished indie games that I'd been playing and I hadn't really ever got to play anything that was more studenty or rough or just very small little experiences. And I had a lot of fun with those. And uh, after a while, I was like, which ones am I enjoying the most? And which ones are really clicking with me? And it wasn't really the ones with a lot of like complex gameplay. It was more the ones that were like um, very narrative or yeah. not very not much technically going on. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do something similar. And that's really why I want to give it a go. Yeah, so usually my one of my main follow-up questions is, was there a game that you kind of identified that maybe puts you put you on the path you know, towards games development. I'm assuming in this particular case, maybe it was some of them, or it was, was it still some of those yeah. games you played in the early days? No, it'd maybe be, a combination it'd be more of all like, the above. I think it'd be more like, yeah, like the very little indie student games, which were what gave me a kick to try. But because before that, it seemed very daunting and oh, something that's, beyond that's my grasp. Yeah, so it'd be things, um, yeah, it'd be very studenty ones. So things that were more rough and ready experiences than something more polished. Were there any particular names that you recall with some of those games from along the way? That, like the specific names of those that we can maybe shout out a little bit as having inspired Yeah. You? One of them was one called Swamp Alchemy, and it looks like it was by Joe Dunkley and Clarence Simpson. So that was one where it was, it was very stripped down. So it was kind of like a voxel room, and all you did within it was combine two of the items on the shelves. So you're given like... um a little podium 
some shelves with a load of different ingredients and you combine the two ingredients and it give you kind of a story based on the two ingredients you put together. So it was like really um, quite simple gameplay mechanics and what really dragged me in from that was kind of the... It was a very distinctive art style, so it was all voxels and then it was this um, um, writing. It was just very um, distinctive writing style that they had for it. And another one was... Um, it was one called Somewhere Strange, um, and that was by Rudy Pretense. Pretense, beg my pardon. Um, and that one was, it was a 3D, a 3D game, sorry, and you were dropped into like a small village with no one in it. And you, the idea was you went through the houses and there's no characters or anything there. And all you had to do was interact with objects and try and figure out what happened to the village and why why no one is there and i won't oh, spoil okay. it but it was yeah it was just really nice because um technically there wasn't much to it but it was like atmosphere and things like that that really dragged me in um and another big one was one called um alien case no and that was by grace Bru brooksner and it was one where you um were dropped into an alien's idea of a casino and what they'd learnt from on Earth, and they've kind of styled it off what they'd been learning. So they kind of got it all muddled up in the in the in between. So you walked oh, around yeah, okay. and and saw how an alien would interpret a casino for themselves and just observe. It was kind of like walking through um, what's that thing called? Kind of walking through like um. A theme park as you walk through the beginning, just observing things or oh, yeah, chatting okay, to them. It all in. Yeah, that kind of thing. I enjoyed that sort of stuff. So it's kind of like just being able to walk through an animated that last scene. One, mm -hmm. Oh yeah, as you describe that last one, I'm instantly thinking of um, something like a like a job simulator. I guess if there was a more recent parallel, um, the v the VR game where it was yeah, kind of robots having that. I mean, obviously different different scenario that they were trying to represent, but. Um, Mm. This you know this is what it was like for humans back in the day when they when they worked, uh, yeah. And it was you know way off base, and I think there's there's vacation simulator or something like that coming this year. All the all the same sounds like it's the same sort of idea. Maybe not as quite uh, as narratively focused as what you were discussing there. Um, I, they certainly lent more into a, a comedy theme mm. in this particular case, but uh, certainly evokes a similar sort of feeling as you're describing that. And so they all had a, a fairly sizable influence on your decision to go pursue uh, the gaming industry, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it was something that was um, more achievable. It, so it doesn't. It sounds in, like I'm trying to insult them. I hope it doesn't. But it was like kind of like it was more of fr more friendly seeming, like not as daunting. No, I understand that. I mean, you know, for the longest time, and this was certainly my understanding growing up. I, I look, you know, I look at the box of a game, and I see EA or I see SquareSoft or PlayStation or whoever it happened to be, and I'm thinking, you know, these are big, you know, multi-million, maybe even billion-dollar companies. You know, how do you, like how do people get jobs in these sorts of things? And it was only as uh, I think the industry started to mature a little bit, and I, I think, you know largely in line with at least my understanding of it largely in line with uh probably the xbox live like the arcade and all those sorts of things and those games starting to pop up on consoles because i was a big console guy that that started to shake up my understanding about how someone could potentially get into the game business so you don't need to be part of these multi-million multi-billion dollar corporations you can actually 
you know, work out of your basement or work out of your study or or start a small studio and, and that's a totally feasible way to get into the business. Ah, yeah, not like teams of multiple, multiple people, yeah. just like one hundreds or two. Hundreds. It can yeah. Be, yeah, it can be a super small team and that, that actually works. And mm. and the, the quality of the game is no better or worse. It's just a different way to approach the same scenario. Ah, yeah. Um, and the other thing is, uh, if it's like rather than being large teams and it just being one or two people, you really get to hear the voice of that one person rather than a crowd. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the uh, the design by committee thing that can sometimes happen just because there's so many people involved. Ah, uh, yeah, and you get these really strange things cropping up as well, which I like, yeah. which no which no company would ever try and take a yeah. risk on. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, ha- uh, how did the the games development journey actually begin from there? So you, you you're you're inspired at this point. How did mm-hmm. you actually manage to transition into the industry? Ah, so the first thing I did was then go into Google and type in. Um, how to make your first game or how to learn. And I can't remember the article, but someone had written an an article listing like some good programs to really like get someone going and kickstart into it. So it was things listed like... The one I went with, I know, was Renpy, um, which is like a visual novel software, which is free. Um, And it listed other ones like um, the Game Makers and... And some other ones. And they were saying, like, these are good starting points for, like, learning to make something for the very first time. And the one I went with was Rempy because it did seem like the most straightforward. Yeah, okay. So are you, or were you, I suppose, uh, particularly tech savvy at that point? Or how how did you begin to learn the ropes? Because, you know, Game Maker or whatever, like, there's still a bit of a learning curve there. I, yeah, I absolutely... No idea where to begin. So it give you when you open it for the very first time in Rempy, it gives you um, a couple of lines of dialogue from the little static two D character. And what was nice about it was you could then go into the code of that and kind of see what was making it tick. Oh yeah, okay. That was I found that was how I was enjoying learning from that is kind of being able to get something which worked and then tear it to pieces to find out what was making it work. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a that's a totally logical way to approach these things, though. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that happen in all sorts of different um, uh, businesses and those sorts of things. Ah, uh, yes, it was nice just being able to break everything <laughs> and slowly try to rebuild. Ah, uh, yeah, and figure out why it wouldn't even start up anymore. <laughs> um. So, how did things kind of progress from there? Um. So I decided I'd try and make something very small for the very first time. And I gave myself kind of a couple of weeks to a month to just make something um, something small and not try and make something huge and sprawling. Um, because I found when I was reading little articles about people like trying to learn a lot of, a lot of the things were saying, don't try and make like some kind of epic odyssey on your first go because it's not going to happen. And if you do that, you're going to be making it for the next few years and never see the end. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll make something where it's just really, really short. Something where it's just me messing around mainly. So it so was made up, steps. Definitely. So it was made up of mainly like me learning how to do things. So I wasn't really concentrating on the narrative in it. I was just trying to like stitch together little things I'd learned and like piece together a lot of little different learning exercises. Um... And I found that if I gave myself a deadline, it definitely was a way to get me to cut it all off by a certain point. 
Um, and so how long did you give yourself? In the end, I gave myself a month and I made something. And what happened was there was um, a call for entries down in Wellington for um, a festival called Play by Play I'd seen. And I was like, I don't expect to actually get into this. But I was like, there's a good date and I can't move that date. So I gave myself the call for entries to get it done and then enter it in just, just as like a kind of... A ritual thing even though I didn't think it was gonna get anywhere it was like I've done it I've entered it and that's that's the end of it and how did it go it got in <laughs> I was congratulations pretty, yeah I was pretty shocked but um yeah I was yeah at the first I was more excited that I'd got something done and I could call it mine so I was like and then and then it was actually considered to be to be worthy which is I ah, guess the yeah. cherry on top someone thought it was an actual working game <laughs> which was a lovely compliment yeah so so yeah uh how did things kind of begin to progress from there so you've, you've made your first small project um we are gradually creeping towards uh the current day i guess but how did things begin to develop from there uh what was what was going through your head after you've ha- after you've had that first project it's it's been fairly well received and um I, I guess you're looking at what is the next, what's the next step from there? I so what happened was I finished it all up and slapped it onto itch.io um, because you had to have somewhere where the people from Play by Play could have a look at it. So I popped it up on there and it went kind of quiet for a while. And But I did notice some people would play it and they'd record videos themselves on YouTube playing it. And I was like, oh, this is really good because it's a really good way of getting really good player feedback where they're not bothered about hurting your feelings or <laughs> yeah they or just say, felt like it is yeah, oh they, yeah got that <laughs> which was nice and you'd find out things that you didn't think particularly worked but would really resonate with someone else and i was like oh or they'd look into it far more than you'd ever think they would which i thought was interesting um like if you put something um randomized a lot of the a lot of the people that would play it, I'd have like randomized little elements in it. A lot of people would think there's a, something a lot more clever going on than there actually was. Oh, okay. Well, so that's it was, all, it was all kind of aye. Ah, so it was all things like smoke and mirrors, and I was like, oh, that's good because that'll be that'll be definitely something better for the way I work rather than rather than hard math. So, so what was that game that you released in the end? Um, I called it Chuck and Sausage. Oh, so we're talking about the same time. Okay, right. That's where I was leading towards. I didn't realise it was the exact same thing. Okay. I So what happened was... <clears throat> so, sorry. No, no, no problem. So I decided that I'd just make these little games. And I thought, oh, no one's going to really pay attention to them. And it's all going to go at the wayside. But I thought if I called them all under the same name, like... And just put little like subtitles on them, subheadings. Sorry, not subtitles. Um, that I could look back and see where I'd come from, like how things had improved, or if someone was had played the first one, maybe it was easy for someone then to recognise it was the second one. Yeah. And if they'd maybe played it on YouTube or wherever, or had covered it, it was something they'd maybe pick up again, and I could then look at how they thought, uh, how they perceived it on YouTube again. Maybe they'd record another video because it was really great for feedback because the friends I have don't play games. So I couldn't really get that kind of feedback from someone that was very familiar with gaming. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, so I'd make a few like for game gems and things. Um, because I found that I'd work good to like a, a set deadline rather than being allowed to just meander at my own pace. Yeah, I, I completely understand that. Yeah, so, like having that drive um, makes a bit, bit of a difference. I yeah. So it'd give me something that I I did a couple of game jams and it'd give me something to like really focus on. Like if it was to a certain theme or would push me to try and use a different program. Just to spread your wings a little bit. I yeah, and feel a bit more comfortable with it. Oh, good to hear. Um, so how many of those chook and sausage games have there been now? And I know there's obviously there's one un, uh, underway at the moment, but uh, how many have there been so far? Uh, I made, f- I think, four. Yeah, four. <laughs> I had to think for a moment, because some of them were done within, like, a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, okay, so some of them were still that short a turnaround. Yeah, yeah, there was one that was made in two weeks. Wow, that's... That's especially impressive because, yeah, I, I did a bit of digging beforehand and I saw a few of the games that I didn't realise when you were saying your first project also happened to be one of the Chook and Sausage games. But, um, yeah, I was, I was really quite impressed. Now that I'm knowing some of these took, you know, two weeks, that's that's incredible. Uh, it was it was good fun to do as well. Um, yeah, and that's why I went under... Um, I did them rather under my own name. I do them under Tuki Paluki. So yes. that people didn't know like who I was or or critique me so, based on that. Like it would just be just an anonymous person submitting things. So I have to apologise then because I'm outing you in this episode. No, no it's all good. <laughs> no, I I just wanted someone to judge them based on the game themselves rather than the person that was making them. And <laughs> no, that that makes a lot of sense. Because when I was doing these game jams things, you'd end up joining these forums and people would get very angry at people that could do art. <laughs> so I was like, oh dear. Because <laughs> they were oh, all... okay. A, lot, a few of them would be like programmer-minded people, so they'd be angry that someone would come in then and do art and something might be judged on art. And I was like, oh, I feel a bit guilty now. Okay, so there's still some some hints of like a, su- a subdivision or divisions amongst the, the, the game dev community from time to time. <laughs> I think it was though I'd I'd entered Pro- one that was jealousy. I'd I'd entered one that was more com- like a competitive jam and I was like, Oh <laughs> maybe I'm not a competitive person, I don't think. Uh yeah, those sorts of things I guess. They bring out the, the best and the worst in some and some uh, yeah. it just doesn't it's, really not really inspired by competition and that's that's totally okay as well. <laughs> so given that you are developing these games on your own, um how how do you go how do you go with that? Because I mean, you, you spoke about how you know you have some you have some friends nearby, but they're not necessarily into games. You're bouncing ideas around, courtesy of some of these these other opportunities. But how is that when you're kind of sitting there working on the the latest title? And um, how how do you kind of internalize it? How do you analyze what you're working on, um, and try and internally refine what does and doesn't work? Uh, so at the moment, um, I'm working with a publisher in America. So what happened was they'd they'd seen the Chuck and Sausage games and reached out to me based off of those. Um, Is that Armour Games, if I recall? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they reached out to me um, about, I think it was December of 2017. Great. Yeah, and at first it's like, oh, who are these people? <laughs> what are they up to? And to it be must like be nice bit... and validating at the same time that I... someone's seeing your work it's... from afar. And... At first it was like suspicious more than anything. It's like, oh, are these real oh, yeah. people? 
but no, they, yeah, they've been really sense. friendly. So um, with working with them, they they take um, builds of the game and they'll give you feedback based on what they're like. Oh, this is bloody awful. What are you doing? <laughs> but they they'll word it a lot kinder than that. Oh, of course, it's <laughs> it's always positively framed. I yeah. Constructive and and whatnot. yeah, yes. It's nice to have that um, that feedback from folks who play games, design games, and publish games rather than um, friends that don't really play games. But it is interesting to see their point as well from someone that doesn't even play a game. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. There, there is some merit in that as well. Mm, definitely. So where's where's the game kind of been over the journey? Has, has it been to a, a variety of different shows and um, has it been had the opportunity to kind of get uh, like a PAX or an equivalent sort of sort of exposure? At the moment, no, because it wasn't. It's not in any state to, to oh, yeah, go of course. to those kind of things. But it's getting there. It's getting there slowly. Um. So maybe we should probably talk a little bit about more uh, more about what these games actually are, because we've we've kind of spoken about Chook and Sausage, and we've we've kind of alluded little little aspects, and I you know I've spoken about how I spotted it elsewhere, but I suppose we haven't really spoken about what the games actually are. So how how would you best describe what what the games, and I guess the most the most recent, the upcoming one. Uh, what exactly are they? How maybe maybe pitch our listeners a little bit as to what these games are. Aye, sure. Um, so they all kind of uh, mechanics, and a few of them are slightly different, but they tend to have the same kind of feel to them, and it's kind of like a um, a supernatural comedy horror. I don't know, um, adventure type games. Uh, um, like some point and click sort of elements. Ah, yes. With the first one, they were visual novels, but I'd find I'd like to animate or make... um, Within visual novels, you'd have these areas where you could make, like, clickable scenes or things that were slightly more interactive. And I found that's where I really wanted to go with it. So more and more, I'd go into these point-and-click type type games. Um, For example, the one that was made in two weeks, that was done for something called Adventure Jam. um, Yep. Where I picked up um, an adventure game engine called um, Visionaire. And taught myself that yeah, okay. in a week, and then got something that worked. <laughs> and I put think that you're out more tech savvy than you're alluding. It's <laughs> alluding to you're suggesting. You, you keep picking up this technology and doing a phenomenal job with it. So, I think you're not giving yourself enough credit with your uh, tech skills. I think it's because I was always led to think it was very maths based and very like oh I don't know like hackers you see in films where they just slam their hands off keyboards. <laughs> Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but it was a lot more user friendly than I expected. Or things you'd find in some of them would be um, would still be relevant in another engine, and you could be like, "Oh, this works similar to that," like if and or things. And oh yeah, okay. Yeah, or like little randomizers and things you'd find were quite similar. Yep. Yeah, it was good fun. No, good to hear. So have there been any particular external influences um, upon the game? Obviously, I assume some of those ones that we were talking about before. Um, but have there been any other games out there that have really kind of inspired the direction that you've gone in with, with the Chook and Sausage games? I yeah, there's been some interesting ones. There's things like um, adventure games... Um, in particular, point and click ones. So be things like Sam and Max is a big one because it's very cartoony, comedy, yes. slapsticky type one. Um, Monkey Island. 
and then strange things like ones where it was just point, pointing on objects in a room and just the only reward really was that it was animated. Um, there was like a, a strange period in the 90s where there were a lot of these interactive CD-ROMs that were like supposed to be they probably were educational, but I wasn't getting, I don't know how much educational value I was getting from them. They were the interactive storybook type games where you just click around a scene like Blinky Bill and and there was oh, a, no, a range of Disney yeah. ones. Yeah. Yes, now I know what we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know how much educational merit they have. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I guess because they're not violent, they'll they'll just bundle them into an edutainment. Ah, uh, yeah. And there was another one that was... um. Another one that was a big influence that I don't think is classified as a game is um, the there was an interactive CD-ROM for one called The Way Things Work, and it was and it was all these little cartoon mammoths presenting like how objects in the everyday would work, and you'd go through it was like um, an interactive encyclopedia, but on each page of the encyclopedia you could click around and find animated things and videos and like the book would pop to life. And I'm not oh, okay. sure. I'm not sure how much I actually learned about the workings of a television, but I certainly learned there were mammoths living inside it. Oh well, that's that's right. That sounds legit. <laughs> yeah. So it's things like that. Just being able to click around scenes and find things that would pop to life in unexpected places. Like the the game was the reward of finding animations within an educational book. <laughs> oh, great. So. Uh, the project itself, uh, how far along is it? Um, when um, would people expect to get their hands on it? Hopefully. I'm not, I'm not going to try and flush out a, <laughs> a more formal date or anything like that. I, this, this year. Good to hear. Yeah, this year. So it's, all, it's all getting fun. How has it been given that you know, previous works have been, as you've spoken about, a few weeks, and now this one is a far more... Far more meaty project. How how's that kind of been on you and uh, the way you've approached the development of the game? Aye, it's been it's been interesting. Oh, interesting sounds too <laughs> a bit weird and cryptic. Uh, it's been good, I should say. Good to hear. Um, it's been nice what? to build something over several scenes, um, and also it's been interesting like working with a publisher. Like they'll help you like edit. Whereas I'd I'd run off like rampaging into the sunset probably if they gave me the ability to they were like no get back here <laughs> what are you doing yeah I understood which is nice because I think that's why why it's good working with them because um, otherwise I'd just ramble all over the place or put strange things in whereas they're they kind of streamline me a bit better <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense and I, I guess the publisher is also great to kind of take some of the um the business side of things off your hands. Yes, definitely. Like putting things onto Steam, I wouldn't know where to begin with that kind yes. of thing. Or Whereas they're well and truly equipped to do that. Aye, and the contacts they have, like um, looking at um, translators and things, or people they've worked with. Oh, yeah, regionalised. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that all sounds great. So what sort of uh, aspirations do you have within this industry here? So, you know, you first first game that's of certainly of this sort of scope and size where do you see things going from here um i i think i just want to keep on playing and exploring i'm having good fun with it um i think that's a that's a great way to approach things 
Yeah. So I was curious, you know, was the intent to to go solo or kind of expand a team, you know, work, start to work with a team or potentially join one? I was I was really curious to see what path you're going to go down because I think you might be the first person I've spoken to so far that is working completely solo. Um, so it kind of brings a very different perspective and approach. So I was, I was quite curious to see how you'd answer that. I no, I'm enjoying working on my own for the for the most part at the moment. I think. I think I'd like to continue doing that, just to be able to patch in areas where I'm still weak at things. Um, yeah. Because I'm, fi- I'm, yeah, I'm finding a lot of um, um, personal enjoyment from the growth of that, and I think I'd like to be able to um, patch in those weak areas rather than bring someone in to patch them for me or to work alongside someone to patch them. I like the fe- feeling of being able to do it myself. <laughs> As a, for, as for a teacher, now. I very much appreciate that approach. So. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, like, for uh, something I can't do at the moment, but would love to do in future, is at the moment I can't, I'm not the person doing the music on the game. Like, someone else is contracted from outside. Yeah, is contracted from outside to do the soundtrack. But I'd love to tinker around and try and learn to do, like, music. And things like that just, like, really excite me. Like, being able to get my hands on everything. Yeah, that eagerness to, to keep on learning, I think I think that's great. Uh, um, yeah. It's it's very easy in a lot of different industries to just settle into what you're comfortable with. Um, and the fact that you're looking to constantly bounce around and try something new and refine your understanding of this industry, I think I think that's fantastic. Uh, it's been and exciting, it's, yeah. Yeah, and, it's, and I guess it's one of the great things about being an independent developer as well because, yeah, if it's, if it's someone working within a AAA system, it's a little bit harder, I guess, to branch out. But... Um, you know, uh, working largely solo, obviously you're talking about how the, the music is, is outsourced, but largely solo does, you know, throw up a different scenario there and it gives you an opportunity to keep learning about a whole bunch of different facets of this industry and I think that's fantastic. So Aye, and it's I'm nice glad to hear it. Aye, the person we're working with at the moment is um, a chap called Nathan Cleary and he's over in Japan and the nice thing about him is he will tell me music things and help me understand what's going on, which is nice. It is nice to collaborate with other people. And the other good thing at the moment is because there's so much out there, like the internet's a fab resource that wasn't around, like, or at least wasn't in the same capability. Like YouTube is fantastic for learning things, <laughs> like being able to see where someone goes wrong or what they're pressing on a screen and learning alongside someone. So all these things um, that it was just mainly like having a program and just bashing at it, like previously, um, you've got someone there on a computer just teaching you quite happily. Yeah, it's a great resource. It's, mm. as, as many bad things can kind of stem from the internet, it's, it's great in a lot of ways and that you're certainly taking full advantage of it. So what have been some of the, and we're starting to wind things down a little bit here, mm. what have been some of the most valuable lessons or experiences you've kind of gone through so far in this journey? Have there been any particularly uh, significant moments that have really resonated with, uh, with you as you've, as you've been developing these games so far? Um... It's a tricky. It's a tricky one to answer. I've, a few people have had had some difficulties with that one. No, I'm trying to think of one one moment. I think. Um, I think one of the. I think it's more of a, a regret for one of them. It's um, leaving one of them half finished, so it was just in demo state. So for one of the game jams, rather than doing a full experience, I ended up doing a demo, and I wished I hadn't done that. I wished I'd done oh, okay. something and wrapped it up. Because then you've got something out there that's perpetually in this demo state. 
And people are like, oh, is there a full version coming to that? It was like, no, it was just made as a demo no, and dies it. as a demo, really. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, understood. Yeah, and I wish I'd done like small things the whole time on the run up to it and never had something in a, in a demo state because, I don't know, the word demo makes it sound like it was going somewhere where it wasn't wasn't yeah, really yeah there's, there's a direction that ultimately it just stopped yeah yeah and it was sad because it got picked up by um quite a few people would play that on youtube and a lot of people saw that i was like oh no <laughs> and now it looks like it's headed somewhere so when people now send me messages asking after it, i was like oh, i'm sorry it's it's not it's not going anywhere really so and yeah i guess that's a little bit hard to yeah hard to have to deal with from time to time so what have been some of the more treasured memories that you've had over the journey so far? Have there been any moments that have really, really clicked and that I guess you'll all, you know, one of those sort of things you can look back on and I'll, I'll always remember that. Was it, was it the release of the first title or? I I think so, yeah. And the weird thing was that the first person, like on Itch.io, you can have someone pay, like donate to it if, if they yes. like it. And the first person that donated to it was my little brother. <laughs> had found oh, that's, it. That's nice. It's like, oh, he's a very unsupported, or unsupportive sibling outside of that and would laugh at what I was doing, but yet he did that. I was like, oh, that's interesting that you'd do that. No, I'm, so I'm was, glad to hear that. <laughs> it's, yeah, he'd usually not be interested in anything like art-wise that I'd do, but it was just interesting that he did that. Um, and that was really nice. You know, a bit of sibling support was good. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose, yeah, the sibling rivalry can be very real at times. Oh, but, uh, I were really, really rough to each other. It's good, though. <laughs> but when it goes the other way, all of a sudden, it, I guess it, it clicks a little bit more. You, you're, mm. you're describing a situation that sounds very familiar to myself. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I can appreciate that. that and, I, well, maybe maybe I need to roll my sisters and family up. Why aren't you saying something nice like that? <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. No, and it was, it's been nice to have, like, emails or messages from people that did enjoy or it did click with them or p- bits they enjoyed um, or people making, like, fan art and things. I was like, oh, I've never had someone make make fan art of anything I'd ever made. So it was really, like, unusual but really flattering. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. So I think when I first got, like, a little piece of art from someone, I think that really clicked like, yeah, I'll remember that kind of thing. Yeah, so what does the road look like from here? Um, obviously, you're targeting 2019 for release. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is currently coming to PC and Mac, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah, so what what do things look like from here? What What's still to be done, essentially? So still to be done is its art asset, really, and finalising oh, yeah, okay. script. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then getting um, sound effects in place, and hoping and hoping that everything runs and doesn't come crashing down around my ears. I guess that's the the perk of having uh, a publisher up your sleeve, like you were talking about before, though. Hopefully, mm, hopefully definitely. that's not going to occur. Yeah. And so this is the first time that one of those games is actually surfacing on Steam. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, good to hear. Um, so, is and I guess I spoke about before. I'm a I'm a very console sort of based guy. Um, I'm curious, is there any chance that we might see a chook and sausage or something like that on a console somewhere down the line? Oh, I'd love to do something like that. 
I'd love to figure out how to do something like that as well. Well, yeah, that's um, a whole other can of worms, I guess. But yeah, every, yeah, a lot of people seem to go quite happily. Like the, a lot of the indie ones I've seen is Switch. A lot of people seem to head to that, and it is a lovely little system. Like I picked I, one up. I picked one yeah. up um, just at the beginning of the year. And what have you been? What have you been enjoying on that so far? So far, not very much because I haven't had time. I've been too looking busy, up, yeah. too busy working on your own. So game. it's like, oh, I've been like wish listing like things in my head, things I want to tiddle around with on that. Um, yeah. At the moment, it's just things like I think I've just got Stardew Valley and the Pokemon game on there, and I've managed to play very little of those. But yeah, it just it's a good start though. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I must say, like on your on your Switch point, I. Uh, it was a little bit of a joke between myself and a fair few games media folks that I went down to PAX with at the end of last year. Um, you could almost hear a collective groan from developers. Like you'd, you'd wander over to the various developers and they're showcasing whatever it was they were showcasing and, and we're, we're wandering over there to do media duties and one of the inevitable questions, if, if it wasn't explicitly stated somewhere, was, is the game coming to Switch? And there was kind of the... Uh, yeah, yeah, it's coming to Switch. <laughs> it's, um, it's it's kind of become this thing where it, it seems to be such a viable option for people that um, developers here, there, and everywhere are just latching onto it, and it's it's doing so well. And I, I'm thrilled to hear that. And hopefully, uh, whether it's Switch or PS4 or Xbox One or all of the above mm-hmm. or some some subset of that, I yeah, I, I hope to see the game on there at some point because um, I I did a bit of digging before this recording. I I took a look at some footage from some of the previous games and and what's available for the current one and everything's like it, it's got so much personality. Oh, well, sorry, they I shouldn't say it. They've all got so much personality, <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it really really impresses me what you're doing and I, I think it's fantastic and I I really hope that as many people as possible actually get to see it and experience it because whether it's whether it's been, been what I've been watching or. Well, when the game comes out, I guarantee you've you've got me picking up a copy based on everything I've uh, everything I've watched. Like, it just looks like so much fun to just dive into. Whether whether you're just watching along or you've got the controller or mouse and keyboard in your hand, it just it just good fun. I think, and I think you're doing fantastic work. Oh, cheers! Thank you for that. So, if people want to keep track of the game, um, where would you direct them to? Um, I think over on my Twitter at the moment is the place I'm most active. So that's um, Tuki Paluki on Twitter as well. Great. And so they can send any questions your way there. Ah, yeah. Yeah. And there's like a mailing list and things that I tend to update like once a month. There we go. So yeah, if you're listening, make sure to sign up to that and uh, keep tabs on the game because yeah, it's, it's doing some great things. And if you haven't seen anything about it before, uh, before listening to this, then please be sure to go and check those out. Awesome. Thank you for that. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, today. Uh, It's been great to share a lot of insights about uh, your journey so far. We've spoken about some games that I'm sure a lot of people now need to go out and whether whether it's some of those that inspired you or whatever, they need to go out and do a little bit of research on because... And also, I really strongly appreciate the uh, the God game discussion at the beginning there because... (laughs) Good stuff. uh, Criminally underappreciated, that genre. Ah, yeah. Um, but it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on. So thank you very much for your time. Cheers. Thank you for having a chat with me. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, 
and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people that you would like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Sarah's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.